Well, hello and welcome once again to In the Growth Space, where we discover new ways to grow our business, grow our teams, and grow ourselves. I'm your host and growth coach, David McGlennon, and I'm really glad that you're here once again. And thank you so much for subscribing and giving us a review on whatever podcast platform you listen on. You know, it really helps us to reach more leaders who want to learn their best practices for growth. Now, in the last episode, you heard from the undercover millennial himself, Clint Pulver, about the people that he interviewed. And, and he asked this question, hey, what's it like to work here? And in this episode, I get to talk with the president of a company whose employees, I'm sure, would say and answer that question with, I love it here. Just like so many of those employees that Clint interviewed said, And in that interview, Clint talked about leaders who really engaged their people. And this week, you're going to get to hear from one of those kinds of leaders. So in this episode, I have the pleasure of talking with the president of IDL Print, Kevin Peters. And Kevin and his team have been clients of mine for a number of years, and it's been really so cool to partner with them on not only Kevin's own growth journey as he ascended to his current position of president, but also partnering with his leadership team, who many are part of the Emerging Leader Inner Circle. And it's a wide-ranging conversation, but listen in to how Kevin sets the stage of his thirst for growth and the impact that it's had on the business. So here's that conversation now. Well, hey, Kevin, uh, great to have you back on the podcast. You know, you are you, technically, I know this is your first time on In the Growth Space, but, but, but actually, this is the second time you've been on the podcast because you were on Be the Leader podcast before. So welcome back. Excellent. Thank you. Thank good to be in the lead. That's <laughs> exactly right. I was just going to say somebody I know in your in your organization may be a little bit jealous and and maybe yeah. vying for a uh, a comeback. Yeah. As well. <laughs> yes, we just talked about that yesterday. As a matter of fact, did so, you? Yes, I'm hoping she'll listen. I'm hoping she listens to <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. Oh man. Well, I, I'm really uh, so grateful to have you back, Kevin, because. Um, you know, I, I love sharing growth stories and I love having conversations around, you know, personal growth, business growth, culture growth. And, um, and, and I know that, you know, because you and I worked together for a while now, um, I just I, I love the things that you're doing in your organization. And I, I really love the way you've really embraced growth. And so, like, maybe to start with, like, where does that desire come from? Where does the desire to grow come from? Yeah, David, I think it's a great question. And, you know, I think for me personally, it started at a very young age, you know, and if I look back at my, my adolescent journey, you think it all really got me to where I am today. And, you know, as I, you know, thought through that, you know, this question, you know, I think there's several several angles that it started and it kind of all converged into where I am today. So I kind of walked through each, I think it does uh, help paint the picture. So, you know, I was raised in a family where I had a, um, a father who was a, um, was in the military. And, and so I moved quite often, you know, growing up. And for, for me, that really shaped a lot of uh, what I, you know, who I was at a, at a young age is, you know, having an officer father um, in, the, in the military and, one of the things that um, it helped me understand was gain insights into human behavior. Um, mm-hmm. 
really not knowing what it was called at that point, but just was very self-aware as I moved and was able to make new friends every three years. It, it made me aware of some of, of, of the desires I had to become a better person because I, I quickly recognized some of my own shortcomings and I was able to kind of reinvent who I am every three years. Uh-huh. Um, and so I would take who I was in one of my dad's stations, take the best of that and, and grow that in, into the next station because I could kind of reinvent myself every, every couple of years, every couple of years. Mm-hmm. I also learned, you know, things that I maybe naturally was not good at that I desired to become better at. Yeah. Um, and then how hard it was for me behaviorally to become better at that. Cause there's <laughs> just some tendencies that I, I, I always had like introversion would be a great um, one of those examples. I always wanted to be that extroverted kid, you know, and I would consciously go into even, you know, being six or seven years old, move to a new area and want to turn that switch on and, and found it very difficult too. Um, So have always been from a young age, extremely interested in human behavior. Um, And I think that has manifested, you know, in my profession. I think the other thing, you know, another tenant is just my fascination with leadership. And so I have always looked um, at leaders, those that could influence those that made a difference. And I, and I picked up traits that I saw, and it could be leaders, you know, that at a young age that were in my parents' Mm -hmm. circle, it could be Mm -hmm. as I grew, you know, into the high school age leaders could have been teachers or, you know, athletes on sports teams, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, in college it was, you know, professors or just influencers and just had always been super fascinated with, with the concept of leadership. Um, you know, as, you know, I grew, uh, you know, as, as a child into adolescence, um, into early adulthood, you know, I found that I was good at so many things and maybe not great at any one thing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if it wasn't, you know, sports in high school, you know, was on teams, but wasn't the star, if it was, you know, through education was a good student, but not a great student. But what I did find that I was great at was being nice. I was <laughs> yeah, always yeah. just a very warm and welcoming and nice person. And I think that, you know, yeah. the story unfolds played a, a big part in it. And I think the other two aspects of my growing up time that I think has played a part in kind of in what I've built in, in a business is, you know, have always been very right-brained creative, you know, mm-hmm. as a young child. And I'm actually funny as I have several kids and watch them um, growing up. So many follow these characteristics. You know, if you gave me, a, you know, a crayon and a piece of paper, I would lay on the floor and just draw for hours. You know, oh, wow. so I have always loved arts. I've always have been, um, been creative. And I think I've, I've built a, you know, very solid right brain. But at the same point, have always been a hard worker um, and really, you know, from paper, paper routes, you know, in fourth grade to delivering phone books to, you know, picking up odd jobs until I could actually get a a W2 job and then (laughs) bucking tables. And, you know, so, so, you know, this, this combination of left brain and right brain, this hard work and, and creativity, you know, this desire to look at human behavior and how to maximize performance. And then how to become a solid leader and build leaders, you know, kind of roll all that together. Yeah. I think that, that is, I think, where my passion in business has been. It's yeah. really, you know, working hard and being nice, you know, mm-hmm. and surrounding myself with a team that 
is like minded and, and has the same and has the same principles. Well, you know, and, and and it's interesting too because I think what you're 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 talking into is that the the fact that you can you can have both. You know, sometimes I think there's this this illusion that you can either be nice or you can be good at business or but you can't yeah. be both. And and we've seen that that's not true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I actually think I actually think, you know, being nice and and being caring actually enhances business and helps to yeah. grow business. Yeah. You know, that was really my fascination to take the role that I'm in today of moving from client services where it really is about being nice to your client yeah. um, and then moving that more into a manufacturing setting that I think historically has been very um, not nice <laughs> and, sure, and yeah. a, a culture that, that drives performance through just pounding down your employees. Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt there was an opportunity to merge the two together. And, yeah. and, and what I call it is intelligent and caring manufacturing. I love and, it. you know, how, how do I care for my employees, but drive optimal performance for my employees? And I believed at the time I took the role that I could do it. Yeah. And, and I think in predecessors, even at my company, in, my, in the role that I moved into, didn't have that uh, philosophy for, for, mm-hmm. for as long as I can remember. And there was a real tension between client services and operations because there was just this great divide between the two mm. of, of the front end group that was all about caring for your client and a back end group that was about mm. grinding your employees to really drive optimal performance. And, and, you know, you and I've talked about it, David, before, like that magic sits in the middle of yeah. where you can, you can bring the two together. And, and it was a huge step out of my comfort zone um, to go from managing a few to managing many. Um, but it was one that I really wanted to test my theory and it's yeah. that theory of my, of my, of my adolescence of how do I take creativity and, and how do I take the left brain and merge it with the right brain? How do That's I so take cool. lean manufacturing and merge that with intelligent manufacturing? And, and how do I stir that on one pod and, yeah. and build something special? And I, and, yeah. and so it's been, it's been a fascinating journey for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What you mentioned that you'd been you've been fascinated and, and really intrigued with with leadership and, and leaders. I'm curious just to know, like, who are some of the leaders that you um, look up to, maybe that you followed or, you know, kind of have, have influenced you and in, in your thoughts? Yeah, I was, I was fortunate, again, for my parents um, growing up in my parents household because they did look heavily into leadership and they were involved with some businesses that put a strong emphasis on, on, on leadership. So I remember, you know, being a high school student, dropping a John Maxwell cassette tape into my, in my car and, and, yeah. and just listening to, to, you know, Charlie, you know, Charlie Tremendous Jones or Zig Ziglar and not only listening to those leaders, but going to conferences where those leaders, um, where those leaders were speaking. So, you know, it was never forced on me, but I just, I think naturally was drawn to it um, on that concept of, of self-development. And, you know, so when I was in high school, I went to a um, summer camp that was built around the principles of, of, of self-leadership and self-growth. And, and, you know, this was back in the late, you know, 1980s. This is before mm-hmm. you know, it was mainstream, um, yeah. but it was what this camp, it was the principles this camp was built on, on, on writing your goals down 
putting mm. them on your mirror, reading them every day, you know, really driving that this, this concept of, of, of personal self self growth and, yeah. you know, and had got, went to the camp, um, twice it, you know, as a camper. And then when I was in college, was able to go back to the, to the camp, uh, for one summer as a counselor, which ironically is where I met my wife, uh, who was there that <laughs> summer, uh, summer fall and, you know, and her family was in a similar uh, business teaching similar principles. So we, mm-hmm. we, we merged two very like-minded, um, individuals together in, in the marriage and now, you know, raising kids has been, been cool to continue that, that, through our, our, yeah. our development, but it certainly has transitioned into work because it's about, in, in my mind, is taking care of your employees, caring for your employees, helping them grow, which in turn will have great benefits to the business, but it's not yeah. about yeah. growing the benefits, the business at the expense of, of the employee. It's really growing the employee and letting the, yeah. the, their growth benefit the business. Yeah, no, I, and I love that. And I think that, um, you know, you and I have talked a lot about um, like uh, Bob Chapman and Barry Waymiller and that, yeah. you know, he has, he's very much like-minded yeah. and yeah. he's, he's seen, you know, similar growth in his organization, yeah. similar growth in his culture. And uh, yeah, yeah, there's a, um, yeah, there's a saying, um, I think Picasso said is good artists copy, great artists steal. <laughs> That's right. And I use that a lot. I use that a lot because yeah. I have stolen a lot of ideas and, you know, um, Bob Chapman is, is one, um, that I've stolen from, but, you know, I took the, the role in, in the lead operations, uh, for our business probably about six, six and a half years ago. And one of the things I knew immediately was this was a whole new world for me. I, I, I was certainly fascinated with efficiencies and, and kind of lean methodology, um, but I had never ran a production shop before. And so mm. I quickly wanted to steal the ideas of, of companies that put their employees first. And so, mm-hmm. you know, so Ch- um, what, you know, Bob Chapman and Barry Wade Miller did, um, I think it was exceptional. I, I took a quick a trip immediately out to Salt Lake city to OC Tanner because mm-hmm. I wanted to find organizations that had a creative approach, a very market facing um, consumer experience approach, but had a- excellent um, operational background, yeah. um, and infrastructures. And so, you know, locally here in, in Pittsburgh, industrial scientific is a company that, um, I became a mentor company for, for myself and I was able to spend some time with their president. Mm. And it's again, a, it's an organization that is highly innovative, exceptional, a very strong mission and vision statement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you walk into their facility, it doesn't feel like an operational um, facility, but it is a, uh-huh. a, an operational facility. And so, you know, from my growth journey, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to figure it out on my own. Yeah. And then that's even day what they, what led me to you was uh-huh. that idea to surround myself with, with great minds that agreed with my beliefs and my passion and could help me get to where I wanted the company to get to. And so mm-hmm. it was finding coaches, um, it was finding mentors, it was finding like companies and it was yeah. listening to a ton of podcasts. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I think one of my, my, my unique advantages is that I have an hour commute to work, yeah. <laughs> uh, which many, so it's two hours a day in the car and many would say, you're crazy for a two hour commute. And I tell you like those two hours are just full of education. Yeah. And so yeah. that personal growth happens for me almost every day. 
um, through through audiobooks or through, through podcasts. So it's just a it's a growth mindset. Uh, exactly what your uh, your <laughs> podcast is titled, um, yeah. and it's for me. It's building a growth organization that wants to learn, wants to become better people, mm-hmm. and wants to to um, you know enjoy they have the time they have in the, in, in the office. I love that. I love that. You know, it's interesting. Uh, you you a little sidetrack or a little side trail here for just a second. When you were talking about um, the, the camp that you attended and, and just some of the books that you've read and, and people that you've followed, you, you mentioned Charlie Tremendous Jones. And interestingly enough, I'm actually going to have his daughter on the podcast here oh, in the coming weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, what, yeah, yeah. So weird. Uh, Cause I, I, I met her on LinkedIn unbeknownst to me. I mean, I didn't put two and two together. And then she started talking about her dad being an author and a speaker and, and she used his quote, you know, you'll be this, the same today as you will five years from now, except for the books that you read and the people that you meet, the people you meet, you got it. Yeah. And and I was, I was like, wait a second here. And I put two and two together. I was like, Oh my gosh. So anyway, so yeah, she's going to be on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one nugget we use. I bet my wife says that to our kids once a month and it's so true it's amazing you know, it's about and it goes back to the business because i want yeah. our company to be people that other well you know candidates want to come and work with yeah or that that their co-workers want to see yeah and so we we call it at a, a, our, our company glad it's a monday culture i you love know, we it want to build a, a culture where on monday morning when the alarm goes off you're not dreading coming to work. You're like, Hey, I've missed my friends for two days. Like, yeah. I can't wait to get to work because that's, it. that's, and you know, and if you go back to the Bob Chapman's philosophies, you know, it's, it's building a culture in his analogy that you would want your kids to work for. Yeah. And, and so he said, you know, would I want my daughter to come work for my company? Does it, hmm. does it create the principles? Does it, does it, does it have the values that I want my, my, my kids to work for? And it's so funny now uh, at, at my company that we, I believe we have four or five employees that kids now work for our company. Yeah, that's and so right. it's manifesting that's itself. It, 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 you know, it's building upon the principles mm-hmm. that we're, we aspire to, to, to become is now seeing this next yeah. generation of, of, of employees that love it enough that they want their kids, you know, to come, come and experience. To come it. and work. Yeah, man, that's so cool. That's so cool. Talk about that uh, next level leaders and the next generation too, because I mean, I know that that's, you and I have worked, um, you know, pretty pretty strongly together to be able to develop that, uh, those next level leaders. And we've created, um, you know, the emerging leader inner circle, soon to become inner circles as the people who have listened yeah. to this podcast know uh, we're expanding it because we, we want to be able to make an impact on, on more companies like yours and more people because um, we just feel like that that will make a better world to live in. So, you know, why was that important to you? Why was building your next level leaders important to you? Yeah, yeah. So before I talk about the next level leaders, I'll talk about the current leaders. I think that's, yeah, um, yeah. that's an important part of my journey. So when I took yeah. over the, the the operational leadership role in, in 2014, I was given 14 leaders, managers, people leaders that were in the business at the time that I was uh, announced in, in, into the role. And I remember my first 
meeting when they um, announced me, and it was a bit of a, a I was a bit of an outsider, of, you know, <laughs> being announced, you know, not having operational experience, um, sure, you know, being part of the client service team that really at that time was kind of the enemy, you know, that mm-hmm. you know bringing, you know, an enemy into into the business. And I sat in a, a conference room the day that I was announced into the role, and you know, I looked at all the, the leaders in the eyes and said, guys, like I'm going to build something that not all of you guys will want to be a part of the journey on. And because it's going to be different than you're used to having. And, and, and there are 14 in the room and of those 14, 10 are no longer in the business. Wow. And so, so, and, and many self-selected because it was so, yeah. such a, such a authentic and real point of view that I had. And, and many were just so operationally mindset and they didn't care so much about that caring part of, of my vision. Mm-hmm. And so, so many self-selected and, and, and several I had to select out just, they just weren't designed the way that the business um, was going to, to look in, in the upcoming years. So, yeah. you know, I think for those on the podcast, you know, it wasn't all, you know, peaches and roses coming <laughs> right. in, into the business. I mean, there, there had to be some, some, some fairly um, significant changes. And, you know, I talk about being nice. It doesn't mean that you're, <laughs> you're not going to have to be tough. Yeah. Um, right. And, right. And, and, and make, and make some changes. Um, yeah. Now you can do it nicely. Um, and if you, right. have a, yeah. a, and if you have a vision that's strong enough, it's going to lead your decisions. And so, so yeah. I had to make some changes at the, at the leadership level. So then I had to replace them with leaders that were aligned to, to what my vision was. Yeah. And so that was really the beginning of this emerging leader. Cause now I had leaders, on my team that were new to the business mm-hmm. uh, and new to the organization. And, and David came into my life. So David, <laughs> he came into my life uh, probably about four or five years ago. And it was at the, yeah. the perfect time where I needed coaching for some of these new leaders in, in the business. And so sure. for us, it started really with developing behaviors that supported the vision. Mm-hmm. And, and so we said we had this vision of enriching lives through amazing experiences, but we wanted to figure out, well, then how do I behave that is, yeah. that matches the vision? And mm-hmm. so uh, we spent time to, together creating what those behaviors are. And I, I love how you call them rituals. So not only yeah. are they behaviors that are, that are written, but they're beha- behaviors that through, through ongoing rituals, um, that you continue to, to touch base on. So, you know, we came up with behaviors like, you know, listen generously or make Mm -hmm. quality personal or assume positive intent. And, and, you know, they have certainly evolved over the the, the years, but I can tell you from a, from a lean operational standpoint, every morning in a, in a traditional lean startup, we start every morning with the behavior of the, of the week. And we talk about how that behavior, how we saw examples of it the prior day, Mm-hmm. And then how did that behavior even help contribute to some of the KPIs that we measure, yeah. uh, measure for their lean. So, so the journey with, 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 with David started with the, the behavior, defining the behaviors and then taking some selected leaders that were new to the business based mm-hmm. off having to replace some of the legacy leaders and, and, driving their success. And then we yeah. saw a huge success. I mean, if yeah. you look from a, from an operational, purely operational perspective, you know, we saw over time drop 
Wow. We saw our, our, our temporary labor numbers drop by 85%. We saw wow. the ability to, to think more intentionally about our operational facility and, and drive revenue through leasing some of our uh, new, newly available space. You know, we took, um, we were able even to take our headcount down um, as well. So we got super lean and it was, it was again, not because all we cared about was making people feel good, but we believed and had the belief that if we make people feel good, it would drive performance. Yeah. And it became so powerful that we said, Hey, there's a whole new group of emerging leaders and they're not even leaders that are in leadership, direct leadership roles, but they are key influencers yeah. in the business that we believe at the lead, ideal leadership level, my company's leadership level, that if we invested in our employees, not to make them better employees, but to make them better people mm. and authentically took care of them and, and equipped them with coaching and principles that were aligned to growth, that they would be better people in their communities, in their, in, you know, in their um, churches, in their, you know, places that they, you know, that they, they visit their, their clubs and, and such, and, and also in, in the, in their business, but it wasn't designed to be a, a business initiative. It was yeah. designed to be a, a people initiative that we believe would create results that would manifest in, in more operational excellence. Yeah. And so that was the, the, the beginning of this emerging leader inner circle. Yeah. Um, and that was taking annually about 10 employees and giving them coaching twice, twice a month through, mm-hmm. through, through uh, you, David, and allowing them to learn and push themselves in areas that aren't comfortable <laughs> and just become better, better people. And, and we're three years strong. We just kicked off our third yeah. year. Um, and we've been able to expand that now globally where yeah. I've been able to, to work with uh, some of my other peers in my global organization, uh, my parent organization. And now we have um, expanded that to, to a global community. And, yeah. and so not only are they learning from each other, they're able to learn from, from others in other parts of the globe. I mean, it's quite yeah. fascinating to, to tell someone who is maybe, you know, a, a, a local to our plant, you know, maybe has never traveled out of the state is, is, you know, very, you know, blue collar, put them in an emerging leader circle and, and have them learn from a, someone in Germany, you know, right. and it's, right. just, it, it, it's really a bit a, a, a cool process to just yeah. play itself out. Yeah, you know, and, and it, it's, it's been kind of cool to be able to see their growth, too, from my perspective, you know, just seeing how they begin to, to, to change, you know, and, 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 and grow themselves. And, and in that process, you know, we, we talk about getting outside of your comfort zone. And that's almost the premise of the, of the, uh, yeah. of the, 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 uh, sessions. And, um, and I know that each of them are, you know, just 
praying that, you know, I don't call on them or they don't have, you know, they don't have to talk. And yet we make them do that. And um, because, you know, we believe that great leaders are able to communicate well, have great confidence and are also um, able to, to press into that fear and to be, move beyond that fear. And, you know, there, there's a couple of things that I'd just like to explore for just a second, um, Kevin, because I think it'll be helpful for other companies, especially in that manufacturing space. You know, there are a lot of companies that implement lean processing. And and how did you like how did you bring those two things together? We've talked about the, you know, the magic in the middle, going from the processes and the people and like really bringing them together. You mentioned one thing, and I know this is something that you do every day is, um, you know, looking at, um, you know, the behavior of the week. But but what are some other things that really help drive that that magic in the middle for you? Uh, it, you know, using using lean, but also that focus on people. Yeah, so I definitely had to learn operational excellence coming into my my, my new role. I, I you know I believe in my career. You know, early in my career, I've always been, you know, I. I've always used the word lazy. Like I, I will always <laughs> find a simpler, more efficient way to do something. You know, I, I will never experience a professional pain twice. Like I, I, I just yeah. won't do it. Like I'll I go through it. it once, but I'll, but I will figure out a way that I don't go through it again. So I, yeah. I've always been personally in, in a mindset of, of continuous improvement. You know, that's yeah. just, I think how I've, it's in my DNA. I, I just like it, but operationally, you know, I, it was a whole new world to me, you know, six, six and a half years ago. So, you know, there was some training for sure that I had to go through to get certified in like a six Sigma perspective. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I had to go through the standard lean, lean, lean training. So, you know, that, that is important that, that you still, um, you, you still have to, to understand this intelligent manufacturing yeah. piece before you can merge it with a care, caring manufacturing piece. The, um, the, you know, what we do now, if you were to walk into our shop, it would feel very much like you're walking into a, a, a lean opera facility. You, you, you will see at each work center, hour by hour boards, we're, we're, we're tracking uh -huh. daily or hourly rates that we're showing interrupters and we're parading those interrupters. And we have, you know, we have safety, quality, delivery value, SQDB boards. Mm -hmm throughout the shop. I think we have 12 in our shop with daily startup meetings, but we at each board, unlike maybe many lean businesses, we also have a column for culture. Yeah. So we don't just talk about lean. I think what we had found in lean is lean can, can have a tendency to focus on what went wrong the day before. Yeah. So your, yes. your eye and, you know, lean is a lot of visual management. So it's a lot of, you know, greens and reds, green, a good day, uh, <laughs> Red's a bad day. In, in, in the mini lean shops, you, you don't celebrate the, the greens. You go right to the, the reds. Hey, what went wrong yesterday? What quality mistake? Um, mm -hmm. And so what we found to, to match our culture, that magic in the middle is integrating the, the culture into even our, into our visual SQDB boards. And so again, okay. that's where we talk about the behavior um, of, of, of the week. And, and we walk through that. We, we talk about high fives. Okay. And we have yeah. a, a fun, uh, and this does push people out of their comfort zone because we call it the wheel of happiness. And every oh, cool. morning in my startup, you know, I will spin a, a wheel 
that will land on someone's name and it forces someone um, without preparation to say the best thing that happened to him yesterday. Right. And, 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 and you'll see that that is often work related, but many times it's not work related. It's, you mm-hmm. know, their, 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 their daughter just got a new job or, mm-hmm. you know, their, their parent just fought through a, a major health issue or, you know, and it, and it becomes, um, it just becomes a foundationally part of our DNA of, of being lean. So it, it, it's not separating culture from operations or in caring from intelligent ma- manufacturing. It's, it's finding a way to combine them. Yeah. You know, we also have found that our employees have asked for a high level of transparency. You know, we are, my business does support retail and re- retail certainly has been shook, you know, mm-hmm. through, through social, you know, the, and, and influencer marketing and, you know, how that's impacted more traditional retail messaging. Um, certainly COVID last year yeah. has, has had an impact on, on, on retails. And, you know, we have found that our employees have asked that, they just know how we're doing from a financial standpoint that, that there would never be a surprise that they would have that we're in a position where you have to make any level of cost adjustment. Yeah. So I think even from a integrating transparency in, into the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think what David, we've seen through emerging leaders is just integrating vulnerability. Ah, you know, yeah. you, you know and, and you talk about, you know, you know, through the emerging leader in the circle model of, of, employees kind of avoiding eye contact, hoping that they aren't chosen to, to do a table talker. Yeah. And, and what, what we have seen is that has forced vulnerability at that emerging leader level. Yeah. And it's not, unco- it's not uncommon even last week in our best thing from yesterday that, that when someone's sharing that they're, they're tearing up ah, and, and they feel comfortable and, and, and that, and that may be unheard of in a traditional operational setting that, in a, a very, you know, grinded out, you know, in a very stereotypical operational piece that someone feels comfortable on a startup, lean startup call to, to tear up because yeah. they're so emotional about something that's happening in their, in their, in their life. So, yeah. and, and, and we're seeing that happening and it, it is happening um, in, in the business. So, you know, we, we really have not treated culture separate from operational excellence. I mean, we really, mm-hmm have blended the two together, um, I think fairly, fairly successfully. But again, it's, yeah. it's what I've seen at the companies that have done it well. Mm-hmm. So going back to, you know, great artist steel, like I, yeah. I, 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 and this may go back to my right brain, you know, imagination, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, here in my, my brain is that, that I, I went and saw the companies that did it good yeah. and I had to see it to know how to replicate it. And, sure. you know, for those on the, you know, listening on the, um, on the podcast, you know, I, I encourage you to find a mentor company yeah, because then don't figure great. it out on your own. I mean, seek, seek like yeah. David out. Like there are, you know, it is a journey that I didn't feel like I had to go on my own. Like I, yeah. I, I did, uh, I, I didn't have a team that, to help me, to help me get there. Yeah. And, you know, I think that that's a great, great lesson. I mean, and there's definitely, I always love to say there's no shame in, in, in asking for help because I mean, you know, we, we're, we've been meant to go through this life together and, you know, business is no different. Uh, I love that. Matter of fact, that was going to be one of my questions for you is just, you know, what would you say to other leaders who, 
are seeing such a tremendous amount of change given you know the pandemic environment all of the just it, it just it seems like that just accelerated change in our world right now and being resilient and the ability to handle change is is top of the list i think for every leader so yeah. you know what what recommendations would you have quite honestly yeah not to give up like i look at this past year so we're almost exactly to the year yeah anniversary just over a year of where really all of our lives change and as a business leader you know you know you went through a heck of a year we all went through a heck heck of a year and as i look yeah. back at the last year you know I, I i would never wish this to happen again just you know from the you know from the world point of view um in the humanitarian point of view but you know a crisis can shape character and, yeah. and i look back at how I grew as a leader, how our business grew, you know, even from a family perspective, how I, we grew as a family. And, and you know, I, I believe for, for me, it was a great growth, growth year mm -hmm. um, in, in the midst of a crisis. So, so there's nothing that I, other than, you know, certainly humanitarian side of it, it it's horrible, but yeah. from a opportunity to, to, to grow, but it is, if you got to have the right team, you, you have the ground has to be fertile for that growth. Yeah. And if you're sitting with a team that you're questioning if it's the right team, that's probably the wrong team. Yeah. And, and, and you know, David would know that, that from a <laughs> behavioral standpoint, um, that I am not a, um, an aggressive leader. And so for me to make changes, change for 10 of the 14 leaders, was yeah. not an easy thing for me to do. Um, right. You know, we, when, you know, we, we've had to go through some downsides. I mean, we, we will go through change, you know, things in business that aren't good. And I'm sure as leaders, you guys went through some hardships what, last year with, yeah. with, with your employees and, and perhaps having to, you know, furlough or, or lay off. And that's going to happen. But if you don't have the right team, and in our case, it's the extended team, it's the emerging leader team, mm -hmm. you know, so... You know, it's just, you know, you talk about, you know, the ground being fertile. So now we just have a larger fertile garden yeah. of, 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 of leaders. Like I, I said here, like we've gone, we've sent third, we're now probably have 30 employees. My, my business is about 150, right? Mm -hmm. So as a percentage of our, of our um, employee base, you know, we, we have a, a huge percentage of our employees going through emerging leader and, and, it's now a desired and honored <laughs> ask to be asked for, you know, yeah. you know, we just started here two months ago with this year's piece and we already have employees asking about the 2022, like, how do I get into it? Yeah. And, and so, cool. you know, if, if we're doing 10 or 10 or 12 leaders a, a year, you can, you know, you can think in, you know, in 10 years, we'll have all our employees having gone through an, emer an emerging leader program. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you can't do it on your own. You, you need to surround yourself with, with, with mentors and, and coaches that support you. And then you got to have the right organizational design, um, mm -hmm. starting with your, your direct leadership team um, and any people leaders, and then beginning to expand that down to influencers within, with, within the business, really what we call emerging leaders. 
Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, Kevin, that, that's, uh, that's great advice. Uh, for, first of all, thank you for sharing that. Thanks. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, because I think that there's a lot of, there are a lot of leaders in, in the world right now who are, um, just navigating change at such an exponential rate that I think it's it's just good to know that we can we can find other companies we can find other people who are doing the same thing and we can we can steal from each other <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. and uh, absolutely you know, I think that's uh, I, I really appreciate you sharing and and I really appreciate too um, just being able to to partner with you and your team because it's been it's been really fun. It's been a fun journey to be able to to help them um, just be better leaders, be better people. And not that we need to you know be you know be better people, but it's it's always the, the in, being in the growth space is really all about evolving and and and, and yeah. growing and 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 being that next that next best version. And um, so yeah, so I love that. But uh, yeah, thank you for sharing that. So I've got one last thing that I want to ask you, and this is going to throw you like way out of your comfort zone. So I I, I know you're going to be sweating, and you know just you know just dab the oh, oh know, no oh no dab the sweat away right now. So I'm going to ask you what I normally will do for the, uh, the 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 emerging leaders. I have this box of of table topics. And I'm going to ask you a quick question. I'm just pulling it. I'm pulling one from here. Uh, so I've got a little card. Uh, and so, okay. Oh, this is a good one. All right. So if you could compete for a $1 million prize on any reality TV show, which would you choose? So if you could compete for a $1 million prize on any reality TV show, which would you choose? Yeah, you are pushing me out of my comfort zone. So I think one of the things, let, let me start with this, David. So one of my philosophies in life and in, in parenting is not to watch television. Yeah. So if you were to walk into my um, family, David knows this, I have nine children. So, yep. you know, we have a small little culture, subculture within my, within my, my family. And we're going back to Charlie Tremendous Jones. We're all about meeting people and reading books. And we, we do very little TV watching. I am an avid sports fan, so there will be the occasion football <laughs> game I have on. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I don't watch TV. So you're asking me a question that relates to television that I'm not, which I don't watch. So yeah. probably I'll have to go. I'll probably have to go back to a game that <laughs> a reality show or a, a game show when I was young when I probably did watch TV. And it's probably one that is based more off of logic than smart. So certainly I'd push like Jeopardy aside or anything uh -huh. where, um, where intelligence plays a part. But mm -hmm. I am very good at uh, math and um, analysis. So probably a game like Price is Right where I can yeah. use <laughs> my, my brain Excel VS uh, lookup that I have embedded in my, in my left brain to figure out the best price for a vacuum cleaner. Yeah. So it is a dated reference, uh, I love but, it. but it is, it does tie into kind of my learning and, and <laughs> philosophy of just not watching TV. I just don't have time for it. So I um, love that. So yeah. So sorry Great. that I have to go that far. I have to go that far back, David, but that's I think that's, that's I, no, the I last time I watched a, uh, watched a, uh, <laughs> really? a, a game show. Yeah, I yeah, I, I be honest, that would be a that would be a hard for hard one for me to to respond to as well. Yeah. Uh you, you did it's, a it's so hard. I think job. I 
Yeah, <laughs> so hard, Dave. I think I asked, answered your reality TV with a game show. <laughs> that's okay, so, right? So, hey, that's reality, so, right? So, so, is that reality? Yeah, I, I think yeah. I, I missed the question. I, yeah, no. yeah. Just, just don't. Well, that, that, that would be another advice to your to your listeners is if you only have limited time in your day to fill your brain with growth, don't fill yes. it with TV. Fill, oh, fill yes. it with growth. So, yeah, subscribe so to David's much. podcast. Uh, and, and, um, yeah, and, and just fill it. it with fill it with growth. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's. Hey, there's so much goodness in that because. Um, n- number one, uh, for any emerging leader who's listening, which I hope you all are, um, Kevin just gave a great um, example of how to take a question that maybe you don't necessarily know the answer to, or maybe it doesn't even apply to your life, and 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 be able to say something about it. For I didn't, I didn't even look at the clock, but you know, a minute, minute and a half, maybe two minutes. And, and, and talk about it. And, and, and um, I think that that is one of the best things that a leader can do is not only just what you just said is, you know, not fill your mind with reality TV because, uh, you know, let's face it, that's, that's not going to help you grow. But, uh, but, but being able to speak and, and also uh, think quickly on your feet. And so, uh, Kevin, you did a marvelous job. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I thank, love it. Thank you. Yeah, dance grounded for sure. Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. I knew I was going to put you out of your comfort zone, and and uh, so, but thank thank you. I, I'm I'm so grateful, uh, grateful to you for um, your friendship uh, first and foremost, because uh, you and I, I feel like we've become friends, um, yeah. and and I really you know really enjoy being able to to work with you and your team too, and I love just seeing the growth yeah. of of your organization and the people within it. So um, really really grateful to to be able to. A partner with you. Great. Yeah. Great. Great time together today, David. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kevin. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation with Kevin as he shared his thoughts on how he's been able to merge the idea of left brain and right brain thinking into his business unit. And as you heard, it's led to huge success. They were able to to reduce temporary labor by 85%, lower overtime by 75%, and think more intentionally about driving an increase in revenue and operational efficiency, while still, at the same time, focusing on the human element of their culture. And I really loved his advice to other leaders who want to create this magic in the middle, the, the merger of, of operational excellence with caring manufacturing. And also he talked about investing in his own growth through reading and podcasts and coaching. He mentioned Charlie Tremendous Jones as one of the people that were uh, instrumental in impacting his philosophy. And I thought that was so cool because, I mean, as you heard and as I shared in the conversation, we're having Charlie Tremendous Jones's daughter on the podcast in a not too distant future episode. So it's, you know, it's really cool to see how people, how books, how podcasts are very instrumental in leading our growth. And it's also so important to help people to grow and be the very best that they can be for the benefit of their community and families, because that leads to a positive impact on moving forward in the company mission. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I want to ask you just to share it with a friend. I know that Kevin and I share podcast episodes back and forth when we think that we each will enjoy it. And, and as we're listening to them, we'll send it to each other. And, and I know I've sent episodes of, of different podcasts to people that I think will enjoy them. And I hope you'll do the same with this one. 
And if you would, please go give us a five-star rating and, and give us a review too so that we can continue to reach more leaders. Thanks so much for listening in. And until our episode next week, be well and remain in the growth space.